All of the food we eat and much of the clothing we wear comes from plants and animals that are raised on farms. Farms are different in type, in size, and even in name. Welcome to Barn Talk. What happens at the barn stays at the barn until now. We're going to let it all out for you guys. Today, like every episode, is a special episode. We have a guest on. Um, I've, I, we've done three different kinds of concepts of shows, and today is a guest show. So um, if you guys get any value from the show at all, share it out to your coworkers, share it out to your family, share it out to your friends. We're trying to grow this thing. We don't run any ads on the show. So that's kind of your ticket to, to admission to listen or watch the show. Um, drop some questions down below because in two weeks, we're going to do another Q&A episode where we'll answer all your guys' questions. So drop them down below. Find us on Instagram. We'll have a poll on there where you can shoot us some questions too. But I'm here with my sidekick, co-host, other host, or both hosts, my yeah. dad, Torque. 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 Uh, yes, it's a great day in Southeast Iowa. It's a little cooler today. I think we got a hair of rain last night, but not much. Uh, my crop is drying or dying rapidly now. So, um, we could use a little rain for the bean crop. I think, I think the corn's pretty well done. We've had it better than a lot of people though. I told you the other day, we can't really be bitching because there's some people with corn that's just dry as crap. Yeah, no, we, we have been, and I feel like our, I feel like our crops are going to be pretty good. But if I wasn't complaining, uh, somebody would repossess my farmer card. There you go. So you got to always be, you could always have some. Um, I'll give you the market update, which we're on Friday. So this is the close from Thursday from the Cat Grain website. Shout out to Cat Grain for uh, supplying our information. Um, before I start, I do want to say one thing. And I just thought about this. Um, I, I want to give a shout out to uh, Jim Eady from SwineWeb and Jim is one of those guys that we have some kind of funny ideas and I get going and sometimes um, I stop myself and think, boy, you know, people probably think that I'm off my rocker. So Jim's one of those guys that we've kind of, we've kind of had a LinkedIn thread going for quite a while. And he, he's one of the few people that uh, if he does think I'm crazy, he doesn't say so. And he's got a good, uh, Swine Web's a good place where, like, for me, when I'm looking for information about, you know, what's going on in the hog business, that's one of the places that I go. So anyway, I just wanted to. And he had you on a podcast. Yeah, I've done a, I've done a couple of uh, spots with him where, you know, he needed a talking head to say, oh, yeah, you know, what it, no, he's asked me my honest opinion, and I've, I've given, I did a little podcast for him um, just last week probably mm-hmm. but um yeah he's one of those guys that i can talk to that i feel like he is somewhat interested in my point of view so go so. check out swine web to listen to dad's podcast yeah yeah it's or pretty, listen to everything that he's got on there yeah and good he, stuff and they post they they post our videos on their on their um on their swine tv i think so we're on there in fact we were ours and uh the one with michael hansen from barn talk which is a friend of barn friend tools. of the U- barn tools is a sponsor of the of the youtube channel but we were both on there at the same time so we were in good company anyway so uh markets for the close yesterday corn was 618 um and that's in muscatine but locally everything's kind of taken a little bit of hit um, 595 is about as high as you're going to find anywhere local. 
I don't know what the close is for today, but anyway. Um, soybeans, 1333 at Muscatine and 1306 local. Hogs, we rotated into a new month, so they've dropped. We're $88. I mean, the last time we shot, we were 103 on the futures, but the closest future month is 88 But I think we're in the same pattern. Weights, weights don't aren't going up. The slaughter keeps going down. I don't think that uh, we're going to have a problem with demand. Um, cattle, 124, it just stays where it is. Bitcoin, Bitcoin's had a nice run. Um, in fact, I just checked it and right at about 49,000. It's about to hit 50. It's going to have it's a going to go crazy when it's at past 50. <laughs> there's a psychological, there's a psychological ceiling on it at 50. We've stayed in when it, we stayed in, we've been telling people time in the market on that. Yeah. We've stayed in when it went to 30. What was the low? Oh, on 28. That? 28. I think it was down all the way to 28. Now look where it's came. Yeah. It came all the way back and it's going to keep going. Well, we hope we hope we don't have to watch it go to seventy and then watch it go to twenty again. It'd be nice if it now, finds its. Don't listen to me. This isn't financial advice. We always tell you guys this. This is just what I tell myself to make myself feel better about yeah. my decision. This isn't financial advice, but if you need help rationalizing poor decisions, we're your guys because we <laughs> we're pros at that. I, I rationalize so much stuff; it's ridiculous. Um, I'll give you the Ethereum price, thirty two hundred. So That's all been the coming up. all the crypto kind of is running up. You know, Bitcoin's the big dog, but Ethereum had a a hard fork or whatever, and they're actually the way their mining system, uh, air quotes mining, the way it works, they're actually burning up part of the supply of Ethereum, which makes it a little more scarce, um, and that's been driving the price up. Tesla had a good week. They had a bad week, and then they had a good week. Uh, and it, they're back. You know, a week ago we were seven hundred, and then we went way down because the National Highway Transit Safety uh, Gulag, communist, whatever you want to call it, they opened an investigation because uh, they want to save us from ourselves, and that dropped the price. But then they had a they had their AI day, and I think people kind of shit their pants a little bit with what happened with that. Yeah, I think they did. There was a lot of people that. Their mind was blown. Tesla bought. Tesla bought. Yeah, the Tesla bought. If you haven't seen that? I very. I would strongly recommend go check that out. Well, I think that it's pretty. Th- it's pretty insane. I think the takeaway from that was anybody that's valuing Tesla as an automotive company, you shouldn't because, yeah, they make cars, but that's beyond that, a little piece of the pie, right? They're they're a technology company just like Apple, and the amount of computing power they have. 1.1 teraflops is what uh, is what Dojo is going to run. Nobody has that. Google doesn't have that. Nobody's got that. The amount of calculations and the amount of AI that they're going to have at their hands, it's going to be pretty impressive, and they're going to do some crazy stuff with it. So anyway, uh, and new to the list, I thought I'd throw Square in yeah, there. Yeah, nice. I talked about this last podcast. Throw Square in there a little yeah. bit. I mean, it's not Tesla, but... So Square, I mean, bullish on. you've heard us. We're pretty bullish on Square. It's a disruptive technology in the financial business. And um, that stock hasn't really gone anywhere of late. It's near its high, and it got up 170-something. But it's been floating around 160. So anyway, uh, our guest today, our guest today is Micah Roberts. And so this episode kind of came together quick because... 
I, like a lot of you, we're all sitting out there and we've seen the news and we've seen what's going on. And you just got to ask yourself, like, what in the hell is going on with this Afghanistan thing? And um, Mike is a friend of mine. Um, He's a veteran of both the Iraq and the Afghan war. He's a financial planner, father of four, and arguably he's a better fantasy football commissioner than uh, our real football commissioner. uh, What's his name? Roger Goodell. Roger Goodell. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'd say so. I think he is. I don't, I'm not a big fan of Roger actually, but I am a fan of Micah (laughs) and he's also a very large man. He's a, he's a large man. I was going to make some smart comment about what size a hat he has on, but we'll just leave it. He's an all around good guy, friend of the show. Welcome Micah. Welcome to barn talk. Yeah. I'm excited to be here and yeah, it's not arguable. I, I am a better commissioner. Yes. So, yes. And any, anytime I hear, you know, he's a large man, I just think fat jokes. So oh, no, I appreciate that. This will be a short one. <laughs> no, well, I wouldn't call you that. You're fit. Svelte. You're a fit guy. Svelte. Fluff. Fluff. There's a little fluff there. Fluffy? Yeah. Well, hey, you're the, entitled. Hey, the, dad, the dad bod's in, so... You're you know, entitled. I'm, I'm all over it. Yeah, you're all over it. You, in in the age of entitlement, you're entitled. You've put in your time. You've hiked all over God's green earth carrying how many pounds of crap on your back. You know what? You're entitled to carry a little extra if you want. I think we'll everybody's entitled. Isn't that the thing? Well, we are all entitled, right, but yeah. I feel like you're, you're Just legit. A little more. Just a little you're more. legit. I'll yeah. take that. I'll take that. <laughs> Yeah, I'd just touch on dad's point a little bit. I just think everyone is kind of wondering, you know, what the hell's going on? And we wanted to really get a veteran's perspective on things because, you know, they've seen things that we haven't and they've, you know, lived it more than we've than we've ever lived it. So I think it's really important that people should hear this message. Well, let's get a little background. So people tell us a little bit about you, about yourself and like um, how how you decided you wanted to get in, what branch of service you were in just kind of give us your backstory of how you got here involved i'm gonna, I'm gonna have a little mm-hmm. bit of a nice yeah. breaker oh <laughs> well you do have a you, anytime you have a veteran around there's got to be a little bit of <laughs> yeah you just go ahead and ask me whenever you want one i give it, it could one. be pepsi yeah it could be i'm not totally, saying it is totally pepsi folks <laughs> so yeah you know i i i man there's a lot of there's a lot of uh you know different factors i think that went into Went into me making that decision um, to join up. <clears throat> you know, as a kid, it was, you know, G.I. Joe's and playing war with my buddies. That's yep. that's all I did, mm-hmm. um, you know, between castrating pigs and docking sheep tails. But, um, you know, and my dad being a Vietnam veteran, <clears throat> um, you know, a little bit of that, you know, make dad proud kind of thing. I was, I was old, relatively speaking, when I joined. Um, I was 24. So, you know, out of high school, been to college, um, ran a little bit of a business in Tennessee. Didn't do very well. Still? But, did you have a still? Well, <laughs> no, actually, I did, I did window washing. Nice. So it was through a, I, I was a subcontractor through another company. But at one point, I had every Starbucks in the state of Tennessee. Wow. So you'd go and you'd power wash their yep. drive through and wash the windows. And, um, that company, they ended up losing their national contract and, and, um, anyway, so, um, but really, you know, not to get, nobody wants my entire life story, but, um, I don't even want to hear it. 
<laughs> but uh, but really kind of ended up in a, I guess I'd say just a really dark place. Um, you know, that business has kind of gone, gone away and I wasn't, you know, I, ha- I had this plan growing up of what I was going to do and what I was going to be. Um, and it all just kind of fell apart. Yep. So, you know, at that point it was a, you know, it, where am I going to find purpose? Where am I going to find, you know, um, my why yep. kind of thing. Um, and I think what pushed me over the, you know, at that point I, I moved back to Iowa. Um, I think what pushed me over the edge was I went to, uh, Dan Sesker's funeral. So, uh, Sergeant Sesker, he was in my brother's unit, uh, at the time. And he, he got attached to, I don't remember if it's Alpha Troop or Charlie Troop. Anyway, he got attached and went to Iraq in 2006, um, and, uh, died in a IED explosion. So I went to his funeral and it was kind of a, you know, um, man, I don't know how you put that. It's like a, like a, I don't know, come to Jesus kind of moment Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of, you know, at that point, I'm like, if I'm not doing anything, this is going to sound weird, but it was like, if I'm not doing anything of a value with my life at that point, then I either need to find that value or find that purpose, or at least let my death mean something, if that was to be the case. Um, so that kind of pushed me over the edge as far as, as far as, you know, joining, yeah. Um, and I don't know, you know, I imagine you ask a hundred, you know, a hundred different veterans why they joined. Um, you get a hundred different answers. Sure. I, I tend to believe that it, it comes down to finding that purpose. Um, you know, cause I think, I think, you know, a lot of times you get that whole elitist mindset of, well, it's because they didn't have options or because they were poor or middle-class or because, blah, 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 um, not smart enough to go to college, that kind of thing, which is complete BS. Um, but I think it's just, it's a way for a lot of young men and women, um, to find purpose. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and it, it be a, be attached to something bigger than yourself. And, and I think that's, that's so important. I think, especially in today's, today's society. Yeah. And I think, I think we've got, a bigger problem than that today than even mm-hmm. so that would have been what year 2006 i think nothing's changed if anything i feel like that there's more people today that don't feel like they have mm-hmm. like they're all looking looking for something looking, looking for some purpose yeah yeah I'd, I'd agree and i mean i have some buddies that joined up uh my buddies thomas and sean zimmer they're they're good they're good guys their dad was in the military and I think it was that kind of same thing. They were looking for something more than themselves and their dad did it and they've, they've enjoyed it so far. So, and they're exactly the kind of people that I want in the military. I sleep better at night knowing that those two are in the military (laughs) because I know that they'll do what needs to be done. (laughs) That's right. Not everybody's like that. Not everybody's like that, but there's, you know, with that, I think with that purpose, you know, it's, it's like, you know, when we look at, you know, especially with the rise of social media, where everything is so inwardly focused and everything's me and everything's yep. what I need and what I want, or that person has this and I don't, therefore they're evil, that that whole kind of thing. It's like everything is so me focused. It goes from not only social media, you get into churches, you get into where everything is just, how does this help me? Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you find that purpose or attach yourself to something bigger, 
Um, and then, and then you leave the military. Yep. I think that's where we're seeing, I think a big part of it is those 22 suicides a day Yeah. of it's because now that purpose is gone. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not always, not that this doesn't play a factor, but it's not always the, the, because of what I've seen or what I've done or yeah. et cetera, et cetera. I think a lot of it is just now what you don't mm-hmm. have, you don't have that you don't have that purpose to fill the void. Like there's a void there. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, not for everybody, but yeah. yeah. And that's when you've, when you've lived and breathed it and you've had that camaraderie mm. and you've had a singular focus, everybody's got a singular focus. And I mean, that's one of the most, like, I bet, I don't know, but I bet that's one of the most fulfilling duties that you could do to have a purpose. Like there's nothing probably that could top that. I mean, I, I feel pretty fulfilled being a farmer, but serving the country and doing your duty that's that's the highest highest you can be as far as feeling fulfilled i think i don't mean i wasn't in it but that's what i see from the outside anyway i don't even know if you realize it when you're in right you know um you probably more so a little bit because you were a little older i feel like a lot of guys that go in that right out of high school or you know Mm -hmm. you're just you're just soaking it all in and you you haven't had the time to I think that this goes with a lot of things, but, you know, we talk about it on here, the ability to look backwards. Once you've lived long enough that you can look backwards a little bit, I mean, that's, it's, yeah, you can make a lot of, you can make a lot of... um, Realizations. Yeah, right. You're wise. Yeah, you can kind of see things that you didn't see when you were in it. So Mm -hmm. I bet being the age that you were, you maybe were a little more aware. Yeah, I think so. I think so. You know, I was already the old guy. Uh, you know, you have officers and, you know, NCOs that are younger than you, yep. you know, and it just, it's a, it's a, it was an interesting dynamic I that's bet. for sure. But yeah. And so I think that, that, you know, that really is what drove me to make, you know, to, to get in was, was, you know, let me find that purpose. Let me, you know, and again, I think, I think my dad played a bigger role in that than maybe I even realize, or he even knows he never pushed it. Right. Um, you know, I mean, I think his time in Vietnam, I mean, you want to, you know, the, the thing that those, what those guys went through, mm-hmm. um, it's just incredible. Yep. Um, you know, and, and I think, you know, in their transition home, I mean, there, there was no, home, there was right. no welcome home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, you're getting spit on in the airport and like, it's like, it's their fault. It's yeah. like, you know, the government's going to screw things up, but it's your fault that they did. Yeah. Well, right. That's, that doesn't really... No. Yeah, that was for sure. What branch and what unit were you a part of? Yeah, so all of that being said, and I joined the National Guard. Um, <laughs> so there's a story to that, though. Um, so my brother was in the Guard, and he was a, a cavalry officer in the U.S. Army. Um, and uh, I knew through the grapevine and through some of the things that, that he was aware of that that unit that I joined was deploying. Um and so I joined in 2006, went to OSIT, which is your basic training AIT. It was all put together 17 weeks. Um, School of Hard Knocks. So yep. Fort Knox. Yep. Um, and um, so I knew they were deploying. You wanted to way. know That's that you were going to go. That's what I wanted go. to do. Um, you know, and that, that, let's see, we left in 2007. So a little less than a year after I joined. Um, and... Uh, in an odd way, I think Afghanistan, the next deployment, 
was uh, just kind of a bonus in a, in a weird way. I know that sounds messed up, but so yeah, army, uh, 113th Cav, uh, out of Des Moines. What was your kind of like your specialty? Like what? What was that major pain? Yeah. Killing's yeah. my business. <laughs> <laughs> and business. So um, I was a, a cavalry scout. So in a, in a linear, I guess in a linear battlefield or a, a normal war, yep. um, you know, our job would be to scout for the armor division or for the tanks. You know, so you, you kind of snoop and poop, you know, get up and find the enemy. Um, you know, make sure, you know, there's even things like your radius of a curve, things like that, that we had to know as far as getting tanks to where they needed to be, uh, to engage the enemy. So, um, that was our, our specialty. Um, it was like infantry only better, um, because we knew a lot more, which, yeah, of course that's the case. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I got to throw a little shade. <laughs> no, that's okay. Well, here, here's a question yeah. that you can throw a lot of shade at. What was, what's the best branch in the military? Well, <laughs> and what's, if you, if you don't mind answering, what's the, what's your, what's the worst quote unquote, or one that you are a little like, oh, those guys don't do as much. What's the branch that's least, least respected in the military yeah. among military people? Ooh, yeah, that's a good question. Um, I mean, the Coast Guard's got to be the best, <laughs> right? I mean, that's, I don't even know what they do. That's true. Um, I guess they guard the coast. I guess that's kind of in the name. I thought they just fished. Well, Catch that's part of it. fish out there. What, what are you going to do when you're sitting out there? Yeah. You're on I the boat. Know. I don't know. Might as well do a little fishing while you're out there. Um, I think probably the least res- <laughs> the least respected uh, is probably the, probably the Air Force. Uh, <laughs> that's not that. I, I think, knew you were going to say yeah, that. You know what? I think I think part of it is um, unless you're a pararescue jumper, that's a whole nother. Right. Those guys are nuts. Yeah. Um, I think part of it is because, you know, you, they go to their training and it's like their tents are air conditioned. And it's like, what? The, you know, the chair force, right? It's like, yep. what? There's no, there's no rough in it there. Yep. Um, I think the most respected is probably the Marine Corps. Yeah. Um, you know, just from their, their, their combat abilities, the training that they go through. Uh, they're not real bright, but they get stuff done. Yeah. <laughs> well, and they get sent. Every, they yeah, get sent everywhere. Tip, tip that, the spear. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. yeah, the Air Force, they're, it's so funny because... You got and, a good story about this. Well, so a friend of mine, so he's not going to care if I use his name, so Aaron Hoffert. Yeah, yeah. So Aaron always would tell the story about when they were getting ready to deploy, they went to Fort Sill, Oklahoma, and every morning they would get up, or not every morning, but when they had to do their live fire, they would get up and they would road march, however far it was, out to where they had the had this obstacle course set up where they had to work through it. And on their way out there, these tour buses would pass them. And the first day that they went, they're like, what, you know, what the hell is a tour bus doing out here in the middle of nowhere? And they get there and here is all these air force guys that had to do this before they went over. And they're all sitting on the, they're all sitting on the bus napping. Some of them are watching cartoons on the TVs and, and it's, you know, it's early morning. So it's 45, 50 degrees. They're all out there cold, huddled up, you know, and then they run, they run their simulation and they come back and the Air Force guys, they get off, they give them all their stuff, they run it, they come back, get back on the bus, start the bus up, you know, (laughs) and he said, and then he always talks about when, when he was deployed in Iraq that he, they were in a transportation uh, group where they were hauling all kinds of stuff. And anyway, they went to they had to haul stuff into 
Saddam's palace. What next? Close to the, maybe it's close to the airport. I don't. I guess I can't yeah, remember camp, exactly. Camp victory probably. Anyway, but it was air. It was the air force base, <laughs> and they pull in there, and they're like. There's guys playing tennis, <laughs> you know, because it was this lavish deal. And there's all these Air Force guys that are sitting kicking by the it. pool, kicking it up. And, the, and the, he goes, that's when it really hit home that I was in the wrong, the wrong branch. But anyway. Yeah, and I think it's, I think they're, they're hated because we're all just jealous. Well, and that's, that's you know, what he said. It's like, it's, it's like, the air, you know, you get their, their foods better. Yeah. Their facilities are better. They don't actually have to do things that are yeah. hard. I, Physically, Physically, most of the time. Yeah, um, I'm throwing a lot. They're of mentally, shit. they're mentally sharp individuals. My yes, dad was are. an Air Force. Yes, they are. Army Air Corps. A lot of respect for the Air Force, yep. and uh, you know, they they have to be. They're so they're responsible for some very expensive equipment, and mm-hmm. they do. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's I'll, just fun to dig on everybody. Yeah, I'll throw a caveat on that. I mean, I think I think anybody who who there's a certain amount of respect, I think owed. You know, anybody who, who puts on that uniform, you know, whatever branch it is, um, you know, they're, they're doing their duty, they're doing their job. We can't do it without everybody. Um, you know, we always, you know, like as a, as a cavalryman or the Cav Scout um, with our black Stetsons and our Spurs, yep. we're going to make fun of everybody because nobody's as good as us. Right. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. Um, particularly, particularly, I can't even talk. I think my, my tongue is actually growing as I get older. It's like it doesn't fit in my mouth anymore. Anyway, um, but especially infantry, yep. because they think they're, yep, they're 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 underrated. No, they think they're overrated. Well, they are overrated. No, they, they think they're underrated. Yeah, yeah. So, from the time you joined up, you said you had what about seventeen weeks of mm-hmm. like back to back training, and then once you got through that, how long did it take before? you got deployed um i got out of training i want to say it was late november early december 2006 and we deployed july june june or july 2007 okay um so seven months eight months how long of a process is it to get over there um so we you always have your especially for the guard um but you have your your primo um and so really out of your 12 month deployment almost Eh, was it two months, I guess it is, um, where you go and you, you pre-mobe. So you try to fit in all the training that the, that the regular or full-time army does. You try to fit all that in, in like a two, you know, two and a half month period. Um, so, um, so it takes, you know, by the time you actually deploy to where you're actually boots on the ground, you know, two and a half months or so. So you got over there in July? Yeah. July, August, 2007. Is that a, is that a, a beautiful in Iraq, two thousand seven. Beautiful in, time in to August. get over there. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. It's glorious. So what? It's a dry heat, though. Right. I, I figured that was coming. <laughs> so what? What were your impressions like when you got there? What was your first? What the fuck did I get myself into? <laughs> yeah. Like when did that hit you? And you're like, oh boy. Or yeah. did it? You know, it really, it really didn't. Like I don't think I, I, I don't know if it was just maybe because I was older or whatnot, but I really didn't get into that place. It was like, Oh man, I made a huge mistake. Um, you know, because it's, it's, I guess I just resolved myself to, this is what I chose to do. This is what yep. I wanted to do. This is exactly where I wanted to be. Right. Um, at that point. So I never really had that, that moment. Um, there were some moments of, 
the hell are you doing? <laughs> you know, um, but not so much the. It's a very good narcissistic into. answer there. A little bit. Um, yeah, not everybody's cut out for that. No, that's true. They're it's there. They're just not cut out for it. Yep. So, but yeah, there's there's some there's some stories there, but culture wise. Mm-hmm. So you get. So where did you end up at? Close to mm-hmm. Baghdad? Is that is that right? Yeah. So we went. So our our deployment to Iraq. We didn't do anything that we were actually trained to do um, or what our actual job or specialty was. Um, we were tasked with personal security for dignitaries, oh, wow. um, which seems like an MP job to me, military police, but somehow we got it. Um, and so, you know, if if anybody from, um, you know, the, the, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs at that point, Admiral Mullen, uh, Condoleezza Rice, you know, Secretary of State, um, John McCain, you know, those types of people would come over, um, then we'd be tasked with their their security. Okay. Um, so we did a lot of, which was really neat, you know, we did a lot of joint joint missions with like State Department, uh, Blackwater. Um, when we first got, when we first got to Iraq, we spent a week, maybe two weeks with Blackwater um, as they trained us on those different you know, cause that's what they did. That's what they were contracted to do. Um, and you know, they're all former spec ops guys yeah. and seals and man, high speed. That's cool. High speed, man, that, that'll humble you. I bet um, it you know, especially for when you come out of basic training, at IT, you think you're, you're Superman, you're yep. you know, like right. Rambo. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, that doesn't really wear off for a while. It wore off pretty quick. Uh, once we, once we got around those guys, I was like, I, I don't even know what I'm doing. This is, <laughs> this is absurd. That's crazy. Um, so maybe that would be the, what did I get myself into? Sure. Um, but learned a lot from them, uh, ran some joint missions with them, like I said. So, so that was a, is a neat experience. Um, and, uh, you know, got to meet a bunch of people and drive them around. We had our up armored Humvees obviously, but then we had the up armored SUVs. So we'd go from like camp victory, um, to the green zone where the yep. embassy was, um, really, a <clears throat> compared to Afghan, pretty cush. Yeah. Um, you know, we actually, we did have the air conditioning in our hutches. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so I can't throw, can't make fun of the air force too much. When you were over there, did you have much exposure to the, I would say the citizenry mm-hmm. that weren't I guess, hostile, I, as far mm, as, like, the mm, culture goes. Yeah, yeah, a little bit, you know, especially around the green zone because that was supposed to be, you know, kind of your safe your safe zone. You know, and Iraqis, and just my opinion, my impression, um, they were a lot more, I guess, westernized than than what we found in Afghanistan. Um, you know, I think the, the average person there wanted to run their business, make some money, yeah. take care of their family, um, you know, we didn't get into a lot of the rural areas sure. in Iraq. So, so I can't speak that we were mostly in urban centers, yep. um, which I'm sure makes a difference, but you know, it, it seemed like they were just a lot more willing to, you know, we just want to move forward and, yeah. and, um, which was, I think a, a, a little bit different than what Afghanistan was. So you were there you, 12 month deployment, mm-hmm. um, you get back, then what ha- Then what happens? Yeah, so, oh, well, I was a dad all of a sudden. Um, so when I left, well, and this is a, when I left for Iraq, I was essentially, I had a girlfriend. Yep. 
but I was essentially single on my own. I come back and well, she had, she'd gotten pregnant before I left. Yeah. Just right. in case there's any questions. <laughs> um, yeah, you got to that. Throw makes, that, right, right. that makes the relationship that. a little stronger. A little bit. Um, so my, my, um, Keely, uh, she was, she's 13 now. Um, so she was born November, 2007. Um, and I remember I was on the phone, you know, hearing the first yep. cry, that kind of thing. She was two months old when I met her, um, came home wow. on leave. Um, so I came home to a whole, like a whole different world, world dynamic. Um, you know, uh, my, my wife or girlfriend at the time, but, um, you know, my wife had a, a daughter from a previous relationship, um, which we've, which I've since, since adopted, which is pretty awesome, but we're taking her to college next week. That's wow. how fast time goes. Yep. <laughs> um, that's right. so, um, so it was just a different dynamic. So I came back, you know, because it was guard, then it's like, well, go get a job. Um, I actually did, did road construction for a while. I've done a little bit of everything. Yeah. That's why you're uh, so well-rounded. Is that another, just another fat joke? <laughs> I knew it. I knew that was coming. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, that's, so that was a little bit different. Um, I actually went to, I put myself through the police academy um, yeah. in Des Moines. So that was another 16, 18 weeks that I was gone uh, out of the six years that I was in the national guard. I think I was gone about four of them total through different trainings. And some of it was my own volunteering, that kind of thing. But um, so yeah, I worked some road construction and yeah. So you did that. You went to police Academy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So were you essentially, so you stayed in, you didn't, you didn't get out. You right. still were, uh, you still were in the guard. And right. so then that unit, Got, came up to get deployed again. Yep. yep. To go to Afghanistan, Afghanistan this time. Yep. Yep. So that would have been 2010. Uh, so what did you think when that call came? Were you were, were you like okay? Were you ready? To, were you ready to like jump back into that, or were you like I have I have kid? I'm yeah. Well, I guess did you well, feel point, like did you feel like once you'd been and gotten back, did you kind of like check that off the list? No, and could, did you think you were going to get redeployed? No, not initially. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, like I said, I mean, I, I knew we were going to go to Iraq when I joined, but um, yeah. And so Afghanistan wasn't even on my, wasn't on my radar. And in between, yeah. so got back 2000 and was it 2008 when we got back yep. and 2010 when we deployed, I had another kid. Yep. So now I'm, now I've got three, right? Wow. Um, and so it was a little different just because it was, Harder. Well, yeah, yeah you're more yeah, attachments. Yeah, you know, now flip side is I missed a lot of the infancy stage with my kids. So, you know, I'm always like, you know, new parents. I'm like, this is easy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what you're, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. But if you have a 13 year old, you're getting it, paid, you're getting it paid back now. Cause I bet you, I bet you, you are really smart. So, I just remember when my kids hit that about 13, 14, boy, the torque you curve. Just be just glad. Went, you just be glad you didn't have any daughters. I am thankful of that. He's got a he's got a he's got a thirteen year old daughter. Yeah, right. Eighteen and he's, thirteen. Eighteen and thirteen. Yeah, and an eight an eight year old daughter, and then a he's got a eleven year old son. That son, yeah. he's gonna have it made because you're gonna be like son. Your problems pale in comparison. He's just, got a badge better bigger than yours because daughters. Yep. I've heard. I'm no parent, but I've heard it's. You better have some patience. I'm trying to think if they're going to listen to this or not. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're they're great. 
They're yeah. absolutely great. No, they all are. However, there's some struggles there. There's some, but yep. anyway, so yeah, it was a little, it was a little harder, you know, that second deployment um, leave. And I think it was harder on, on my wife. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think the spouses, the ones who stay home, because yep. it's a whole, it's a whole different experience there because, yep. you know, their life stays the same minus you to help. Um, whereas you're out, you know, you're focused on what you're doing and, and, you know, you don't, at least for me, it's not that you don't think about home. It's not that you don't miss it, but it's kind of in the background. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And so it's, it's you know, what they go through. Is- yeah, because you're, you have your job that you're singularly focused on. Mm-hmm. You're not worried about if the car breaks down, the water mm-hmm. heater breaks, the kids get sick, I got to go to work, babysitter doesn't show up, mom, or grandma can't walk. You, all mm-hmm. that stuff that you have to do, mm-hmm. you don't have anybody to nobody to do it yeah. nobody to help and i would say too you know I, I really i'm fortunate um because she never she never bothered me with those things because she knew i couldn't do anything about it anyway um you know we were we were fortunate to have people around that would help her take care of those things and, and yep. you know my family and and church communities things like that but um you know so i would say if there's anybody who's thinking about being a military spouse and your spouse is deployed don't mess don't don't bother them with that stuff because that's just a whole a it's it's a distraction it adds to the stress level um and, it and, makes, they, and they can't do anything about it right yeah it probably makes you feel it makes you feel a little guilty being there mm-hmm. while you're mm-hmm. putting the complaint you know mm-hmm. not complaints but putting those responsibilities on him and talking about it and it's mm-hmm. like well or her or whatever you know right right it's like you got to be focused here. Yeah, so pretty fortunate. But yeah, it was certainly different uh, the second time around. When when that call came in that you were going to get it deployed, what was the what was the sediment among the guys that you were with? In other words, what did you all think about what was going on in Afghanistan? Mm-hmm. Like, what was your feelings about it? Honestly, I think I think a lot of it was a little bit of excitement uh, to to go again. Yep, you know. Um, you know, one thing about, and I know I'm generalizing a little bit, but one thing about soldiers is the politics of it. You really don't think about it. No. Um, you know, and and it's like I don't. When I left for Afghanistan, I I didn't really care at all of why, right. Right. It's, it's this is what I'm going to go do yep. because this is what I do. Yep. Um, it wasn't, oh, I can't wait to be a freedom fighter for these people or, right. yeah. you know, let's, right. let's get them, you know, maybe they'll become a democracy or, you know, I'll, I didn't care about that. I care about, I want to know that I'm doing my job. Well, I'm doing my, my country. My, well. Yeah. And my, and my buddies are coming home. Yep. yep. Um, and that's really when you're, when you're, when you're there, all of that goes out the window yep. and it's, it's, it's the guy next to me. Yep. And that's what matters. Same kind of same kind of ramp up. Did you have like mm-hmm. two months of mm-hmm. training to get you up to speed on what you were supposed to be doing over there? Or did yeah. they Yeah, so I'm I don't know how I'm still married. Um <laughs> because because I was like, well, you know, we're doing all this pre pre mobilization stuff in Des Moines, you know, before we actually go to the same thing, you go for the two and a half months and but there's a bunch to do before that. I was like, I'll do that. So I spent my weeks from February 2010 
um, until we deployed, I spent my weeks in Des Moines, just come home on the weekend. Um, so I don't know. She, she's a trooper. She is a trooper. <laughs> my Lord. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I'm gonna have to buy her some jewelry after this or something. <laughs> um, so, so, uh, did that just at the unit there in Des Moines, you know, help get things ready and, and, yeah. and whatnot. And then we went, um, we went to NTC, it's a national training center in, I don't know, somewhere in California for two weeks. Um, you know, kind of desert training, that yeah. kind of thing. Um, so, but ultimately it was about two and a half months and then before we were boots on the ground. So when you got, when you get to, when you get to Afghanistan, you'd been in Iraq. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess, did you feel like when you, did you think that it was going to be a similar experience or did you know that? this is a totally different culture and terrain and mm-hmm. all that. Yeah. Culture wise, you know, and they, and they, they do a good job. The military does a fairly good job. It's it, trying to prepare you a little bit for the culture and, you know, there's different dialects, different customs, different, you know, um, you don't want to offend anyone. Right. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I think there was an expectation that it was going to be a little different. Um, it was a completely different mission from what we had in Iraq we had our own battle space. You know, you're responsible for this chunk, this chunk of land. Um, so, so there was a different expectation there. I think I was a little surprised, you know, and, and I guess it's just my, my naivety, but did I say that right? Naivety? Na- na- Don't ask you said us. Right. I'll go yeah. with that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think you put all around, you said all around smart guy and I'm proving that wrong here, but, um, so, you know, the people there, the culture there, I think are, are completely different than what we found in Iraq. Uh, you know, they're, they're still living in mud huts and, and it's like tribal. Yeah. Very. And, um, so yeah, certainly a different, not a lot of people don't travel a lot. In other words, like mm-hmm. if you're born here, mm-hmm. you don't decide I'm going to pick up and move over here. Right. Yeah. You stay. Yeah. You've been there for however many generations, yep. and yep, your dad was a, your five ex grandpa was a goat herder, and you're yeah. going to be a goat herder yeah. too, or you're going to make clay pots, or you're going to do yeah. I don't know what they do. Yeah, your fifth fifth generation there, your goats are fifth generation. You know, it's all yeah, it's all just a generational thing. So I didn't realize until I started looking into it a little bit. Afghanistan, almost one of the constants of its existence is other people coming in trying to fix it. Yeah. And I didn't realize how many people had tried to fix it. I mean, I remember the Russian, I remember the Russians toiling away in there for I don't know how many years and finally mm-hmm. giving up, which we were encouraging. We were, the U.S. was meddling in that um, big time because the enemy of my enemy is mm-hmm. my friend. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't know that the British had been in there. I think the Turks might have been in there at one point. I so I guess I don't know why. Why is that? Like, what is it about that country that makes it to where I? For one, I don't know why everybody wants to go in there. Other than right. other than a lot of bad people apparently came out of there. I mean, the the narrative that the narrative that everybody was spoon fed. I mean, nine eleven happens, and we're in America. We want to fix things. And somebody's got to answer for all this. 
And I'm not really, I'm not really pointing fingers at everybody because I think everybody felt the same way. I think we were probably about the most united as a country in thought it, as we have been in my, in my generation. Yeah. I mean, I'll just say I, my generation, I think no one should stand up and talk about their, really their kind of, I mean, you can have an opinion, but you didn't live that time where that did happen. And people seem to really forget, I think that that's why we went over there. I mean, we were so united, and that is the reason why we went over there. You weren't there. You didn't feel the camaraderie of America. The narrative was, we're going to go to Afghanistan because we're going to stop those people there mm -hmm. so we don't have to have that fight here. Mm -hmm. that, was the, that was the long and short of it. Yeah. But when you get over there, and, and you, you may not be able to speak to this because, like you said, when you're singularly focused on your mission, there's not much time to think about the why and the, why and the political this and that. But did you get a feeling? I guess what was your feeling while you were there doing your mission as, is this thing, is this, can we complete this mission? You know, I don't know how much while you're there, um, but certainly a lot of time to think about it after. Yeah. Um, no, would be the short answer in my yeah. opinion. All right. There, there's the button. Right. Right. <laughs> that's it. Um, you know, I don't like, what was the, to me, it's, what was the end goal? Yeah. I, I still don't know. Right. You know, is it, is it, is it not to take their natural resources or we would have done that. Right. You know, it's like the whole war for oil thing in Iraq. Well, maybe, maybe a part of it, but we didn't take it. Yeah. Like if we're going to, if we're going to go in there and take over a country, at least take their stuff. If right. that's, if that is supposedly the reason or the, you know, the, the conspiratorial reason. Right? right. Um, you know, so, so no, I, you know, when you have people, and I think the reason why, why it's an empire killer, right. Yeah. Um, Afghanistan is these people, when it takes, well, we talked about like the generations and the, you know, they've been there forever and they don't look at time. I don't think the same way that right. we do. It's a long game. It's like, well, yeah, I might not be able to get you out of my country, so to speak, but my grandkids will. And then we'll just work towards that. It's not, everything is, the time frame is so, yeah. so extended. Um, you know, like the Taliban sat fairly quiet, Right for what, 20 years? Yeah, right. And as soon as it was time, all right, here we go. Yeah. So it's, no, I don't, I think the the outcome that we're seeing as far as the Taliban regaining control, that was always going to happen. Whether we left within the first year or whether we left 15 years from now, it's the it's same outcome, um, which is un unfortunate. Right. You know, in retrospect, you know, you go in there, we toppled their government in what, three months? Yep. Um, with I don't know, thirty spec ops guys or whatever right. it was. Um, you know, if if we want to send a message to where, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna punch us in the face, you know, be prepared. Right. Great. But why do we stay? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. I think that's a really good point you brought up with time. Uh, I I listened to a podcast the other day and they said that, you know, China Middle East, other countries have such a different outlook on time than we do as Americans. We're so short-term thinking and 
we elect new people every, every two, four years. four years. It's just like we all, and you, you brought up a really good point in the last podcast, you know, you elect people and then they want to make change right away because they feel obligated to do so when maybe they don't need to make change, but that that's their job. So they think I got to do, I got to pass some stuff. Yeah. Well, they over there. It's generational. It's generational. China, and you think, I mean, China, you look at China, it's like they ethically don't care really what they're doing. They just, they know they want to take over. They want to accomplish something. They have a goal in mind. They don't care how long it takes. They're going to go for it. And they don't, they don't care about the short term things of it. And I think it's yeah. the same thing with the Middle East. I mean, they. China is true to a point. The thing that I think most people don't, and we, I won't get off very far, but the thing that most people don't realize about China, and um, there's a guy named, uh, well, I'm going to slaughter his name, but I think his name is Peter Zion. Is, I think his name is pronounced Zion, maybe. Uh, I can't remember. Anyway, he's got a series of books out. Um, he's actually from Iowa. I'd love to get him on here. But he he's a huge... He's a he's a student of history, but he's also a big student of uh, demographics and geography. And I think what a lot of people don't realize about realize about China is when we think of China, we think of the Chinese people, and we think that they are all the same, and they are not. There's like 35 different ethnic groups within China, and the whole country is ruled by one. Mm. And their number one priority, the reason you could say that, well, they don't really care, you know, they're not real big on worker safety and everybody's a number. And, uh, you know, if you were going to control population or this or that, but that's true to a point, but their number one priority above everything else is that the ruling minority stays the ruling minority. Mm. And the reason they're so big on all of the all of the technology as far as keeping track of everybody and the money supply and all that and keeping the money within China is to keep them in power. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right. They do. They think generationally. And the Middle East, well, that's if they, why you, if they didn't think generationally, they, would, they, don't, they wouldn't care about that ethical stuff as far as yeah. you only have one child or whatever. And, you know, the work, they would care more yeah. about the workers. But they don't. They don't because they know they're trying to go, they're trying to, expand their nation. They're trying yeah. to do whatever they can, stay in power, and expand. They want to be the next empire. Yeah, they want to be the next empire. And power, power. if you have power, you always want to keep it. I mean, it's yeah. not not just a, yeah, you have the ruling minority there, but then you have Everywhere. the, not to turn this into, but you have the, I'll say the elitist class or the poli- the political class here. Oh, 100%. That's, that's exactly what they're trying to do. Yeah. You know, power is a drug. That is. That's like if you can choose wealth or power, choose power. Yeah, right. Because wealth is fleeting, and if right. you don't have power, you well, won't have wealth very right. long. I right. mean, if you right. have power, exactly. you can you can get wealth pretty fast. I mean, yeah, right, right. So, for people that don't understand how kind of the geography is, um, the vast majority, uh, yeah, I think I'm right in this. So the vast majority of Afghanistan is very rugged. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So as far as cities go, when we hear Kabul on the, you know, how big a city is that? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Never went. Okay. Um, All right. You know, we had, so, you know, around Bagram, well, you have Bagram Air Base. Um, 
man, you say city or I'll call it, let's say population center. It's it's just such a different from from my experience. Just a, such a different concept because it's it's you know it it looks like it looks like a third world country. Yeah. So even if you have a city, it's still you just have a lot of markets where people go to try yeah. to get stuff. And other yep. than that, it's a lot of single family dwelling or, or I, maybe, I don't know, is there much for two, three story buildings not, or is it mostly? I saw. Yeah. And we spent most, you know, most of our time was, was in the mountain regions. Yeah. Um, so I, I never, you know, again, drastic, drastic difference from Iraq, our mission in Iraq and our mission in Afghanistan was yeah. all urban center and mountains. And the Taliban, so you got there in the, when did you get there? When did you get there? 2010. What time of year? Summer. Yeah. And so then did you, were you there through the following spring? Mm-hmm. So winter, they don't like, they don't. So one Not of the stories is on. the Taliban in the wintertime, they're like, yeah, we don't want to play in the winter. Mm-hmm. So we just go up the mountains and hang out till spring because yep. winter is pretty brutal Yeah, and they don't. They don't want to engage anybody, which right. I always thought that was kind of odd because when we think about, you know, you think about war. Well, like I think about World War II, mm-hmm. you know, they fought through the winter. There's some really Russians. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the winter was brutal, but they tried to keep fighting. And in this situation, the Taliban, I think we wanted to fight, mm-hmm. but the Taliban was like, eh, no, nah, yeah. not, well, not interested. We'd have an advantage. Yeah. Yeah. They, right? Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, we had every advantage technology weapons yeah. we had more of an advantage on them anyway they were already at a disadvantage so had that on top of it they were like well screw that we're not going to try and get them when it's the winter time right yeah yeah so you know when you get summer spring uh just always a lot more activity yeah and during the during those times um yeah not that not that there's never anything going on in the winter but it's 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 pretty a lot less. Yeah. Okay. So, so you got, you got out in the spring of 11 summer, yeah. summer of 11 yeah. and you come home. Mm-hmm. Um, and then did you stay in the guard? So I only had a year left. It's a six year contract. Yeah. So I did for another 12 months, 11 months, something like that. So this time when you came back, was the adjustment harder or easier? Um, I think it was easier because I knew I was done. Yeah. Um, you know, I think somewhere, somewhere in Afghanistan, and that whole it was, I'm 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 done running around with a gun chasing a bad guy, yeah. right? Um, and so it was really the the biggest transition was you know transitioning into into my career now. Um, um, you know, we we had another kid in 2012. So, you know, yeah. not long after we got back. So, so there was just a lot going on with a career change and, and, you know, coming out of the military, you know, and, and you still have that struggle, you know, I think, I think probably more so that, that struggle with, okay, what, what's my purpose now? Right. Um, I think I had more of a struggle the second time with that aspect of it. Um, again, because I knew I was done, I wasn't going to sign up again. Right. Um, and uh so that was yeah that was a little that was a little harder now now fortunately i think i certainly found found my purpose now um or well found it then but what my purpose is now so um pretty fortunate in that in that case but so let's talk about that for a minute um obviously today you're a financial planner right so how did you get 
You didn't. I mean, you had. You didn't come back and go. I'm going to fire up this this window cleaning <laughs> deal again. Like, what drew you to that, or did somebody? Yeah. yeah. Point you in that direction. Well, you know sheep, right? Yes, I do know sheep. My brother-in-law, his nickname was Sheep in high school, I guess. Um, He's a financial planner with the firm that that um, I ultimately joined, Um, and he had been on me for a while. Um, You know, and and a lot of a lot of what I guess what drew me to that was you know ultimately being able to help people reach their financial goals and and. Um, you know, to, to have the, the, the right behaviors to be able to do that. Um, and sitting in an office is a lot better than squatting on a rock somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Um, so as much as I'm in the office anyway, yeah. uh, so never, never when I need you. Yeah. What's the deal with that? I don't know. You go don't in really, there. You don't really need me though. She lets me go in though and sit on your desk. Does she? You seen that scene out of step brothers where they're talking about the drum set? Yeah. Think about that the next time you put your arms on your desk. I thought it smelled. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Um, so, well, she's fired. So that's good. <laughs> nice, nice job. Sorry, Lindsay. <laughs> I blame that on you. Sorry. Um, uh, so no, and you know, and, and as far as the investment world or, or, you know, financial planning, my first, my, I opened my first investment account when I was 12. Well, I say I did dad, dad did it for me i had stein row young young investors fund um you know i had pepsi and nike and coke and you know the cool stuff yeah those types of companies um which i thought was really cool until i realized that dad decided he was going to give me an allowance but then take half of it um so you know i got management fee yeah but yeah basically um i learned young (laughs) so at like i get like ten dollars and then i would give him five and he would put that into that Stein Row Young Investors yeah. Fund. And then when I started, you know, bailing hay or cash rate, things like that, well, where's, where's, where's half your pay, right? So let's get that put in there. And, man, I, that just drove me nuts. I hated it until I was older. Yeah. And I thought, oh, oh there's, there's money there. There's more money than I put in. Hi, pup. We have for a those, special guest here. For those that don't know, uh, the farm dog Duke just decided that he would... Wanted to come join the show. Yep, he wants we to be... We put in a spiral staircase because we had an old ladder that just sat here. We were like, eh, we don't really want that liability of someone falling or anything. I mean, that's what we were joking about. But he was a little timid to come up the steps and go down the steps. But now I think he's he's figured it out. Yeah, I carried him up here the first time and he, he wasn't having it. And then I had to carry him down. And then this morning we were getting ready and just randomly he just decided that, well, must be okay. So he came up, but he'd gone back down. But anyway, we'll have to see whether. Okay. So, um, I, you know, I had more respect for you if you would have told me you had some kind of an epiphany to become, to go down that financial advisor mm-hmm. instead of just uh, sheep telling you that it was a good idea because yeah. your stock went down a little bit. Well, it wasn't real high to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fine. But so anyway, you how long of a process was that? Mm. When did you start when did you start down that road when you got back? So, yeah, so it was it was pretty pretty quick. I think within 2 months I had applied um and their hiring process takes forever. Yep. Uh, which it should. Yeah. Uh and then their training, you know, 6 months or so. Um you know, you have to pass your series 7, series 66, you know, all the different regulatory exams. Um 
so uh that's a pretty long process i think i was officially officially on duty let's say um spring 2012 yeah so it was a nine nine ten month nine month process so here we are so we're basically nine years nine years since you left Mm. afghanistan oh no you're you're 10 years years, you got out 2011 and you're you're like a lot of us you know that went on but it it drew down and it got to just be where you barely even heard anything about it. We knew we still had troops over there. We knew that we were running around looking for bad guys and trying to keep the status quo, but you really got lulled into everybody. I mean, I know I just kind of knew that it was never going to be, you're never going to wake up one day and Afghanistan was going to have you know, a Starbucks on a corner of wherever little city it right. was. It, but at the same time, you kind of felt like, well, they got, you know, U.S. government's got it under control and we're we're winning the hearts and minds and these people are figuring out that, you know, they can be free. Because, and this is something that we should probably touch on, but, you know, I think one of the biggest travesties of this is we've been there 20 years. There is a whole generation of young women in Afghanistan that have grown up being able to walk the streets in jeans and a sweatshirt, go to school, and, you know, not be covered head, uh, head to toe in a veil and walk three steps behind a man or or not be able to leave the house. Mm-hmm. And they have got to be just, like, God-smacked because I'm a... The story is that that hasn't all happened yet, but I don't think it can be very far That's behind BS. that we're going to go back to what we were. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you, so we're about 10, I think we're about 10 days from when this all kind of fell apart, uh, maybe two weeks. When when you saw, when, when the news broke that basically all of the defense forces that we have spent oodles of money training, mm-hmm. and when that all fell apart and the Taliban was basically just walking over the country. What was your feeling about that? Yeah. So, well, you bring up just a, you bring up a great point with, with a generation of, you know, if it's a 15 year old girl, she's done nothing different. Um, and it's going to get ugly. Uh, it's yeah, it's going to get ugly for them. Um, so, you know, I guess my feeling was, it wasn't shock, certainly, because I think we touched on that before, where the outcome was always going to be this. The The speed at which it happened uh, is, a, is a little surprising. Um, and I say the speed, you know, we're looking at it as far as our media, you know, over the last 10 days, two weeks. Um, but really, since the, since the treaty, let's say, was broken, you know, we were supposed to be out of there withdrawn by May 1st. Um, so really, I think this is a if we look at it from May 1st through here, the end of August, that's the time frame. It's not just the last 10 days. Um, you know, so a little, you know, not shot kind of a, yeah, well, figures, kind of figures that would happen. Um, I think the shocking part is how, her, how much we've messed this up as right. far as, as far as the withdrawal itself, you know, it's almost like there's a couple different aspects to it. It's, one is the outcome, which not shocking. Two, the actual withdrawal, which is a travesty. 
And then three, how do we parse out the feelings uh, as a veteran, you know, of, of the blood that was shed? Yeah. Um, you know, was it, was it worth it kind of thing? So really those kind of those three aspects and, and, you know, the one, um, this, yeah, this is going to be the outcome to, uh, the fact that we can't figure out that whether the Taliban came in this, took over this quickly or not, you're saying, okay, we're going to be gone in September 1st with right. the new time frame. And you still have uh, 15,000 U.S. citizens. And you didn't think to maybe, maybe let's, let's go ahead and start getting them out of here. Yeah, it seems, like a, it seems like a huge misstep by the intelligence. So it's got to be one or the other. Either the intelligence changed and it was very poor, it, or they had a narrative that they just plain didn't plan for, that they didn't think could happen, or the administration chose to go their own way and not heed. The, so either they didn't believe the intelligence that they got, or they didn't receive the right intelligence. Yeah. Or they didn't care, and they just were going to do it themselves. I think three, I think number three, I think, this is just personal opinion, I think Biden administration, I think Joe Biden wanted the credit for mm-hmm. getting them out of Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. And because I, I, I heard a podcast um, and Trump's been he was working on getting getting us out of Afghanistan, but there's a certain way to do it. Mm-hmm. What should we do it in the middle of a fighting season when they're coming out of the mountains? Mm-hmm. Probably not. Should we have done it maybe during the wintertime when they're not as aggressive? Pro- I mean, that would have been a good way. Yeah, uh, I think. And you touched on it a little bit, you know, there's. 15 I, I read a thing that said 10 to 40,000 Americans mm. are left there yeah. they don't even know how many Americans are just left there and they're just right. there and they don't even yeah. know totally uh, rushed and I think it was this is my opinion again I think it was truly I think Biden won the credit well I think we've seen we've seen that before with different administrations where you know it's it's whether it's Benghazi um mm-hmm. or or you know or Afghanistan now, um, you know, where it's, it's, I'm going to make political decisions, um, and, and, you know, boots on the ground or the U S citizens are there be damned. Yeah. Um, because that's, that's to me, the only explanation I can't, I have a hard time believing that our intelligence community was that wrong is so jacked up, right. That they didn't know the Taliban was coming across the country. Yep. Like how, I don't even know how that happens. And it's hit. I mean, the history, they, they fight during this season of right. the year. I mean, this is their peak time to be out and about. So I we, can't imagine that they would get that wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, mm-hmm. another thing that, and I want to touch on this because I think you have a little bit of perspective on it is, um, the, one of the narratives that is out there is that we were relying on, we were relying on the Afghan forces to step up and buffer this transition, but it seems as though what happened, I mean, obviously the president, he fled with, I can't remember how many, how many million dollars, but a lot, of, a lot of press has been that a lot of the commanders were paid off and they just said, all right, and they, they let it go. Um, so did you, do you have... Does that make sense to you? Mm-hmm. Do you like 
what's what's the when you talk about the culture um when you were over there did you see how the u.s did things i guess i'm trying to think of a better way to say it yeah i think i think i know what you're getting at so you know i think for 20 years we we set up a system of let's give you money for this let's give you money for that let's pay you for this let's pay you and so you know where we'd go into you know, Ashura in a village or a meeting in a, in a village with the elder. And it was never, it was always, what are you going to put in my village? You know, are you going to, we need money for this, or we need this type of equipment, or we need that. And, and so we set up, you know, a, a, well, really at this point, a whole generation of, of Afghanis. And you think about, well, who's, who's most likely to be in the military in Afghanistan? Well, it's young men. Yep. So for 20 years, they've seen that, well, I'm for sale. Right. Yep. So no principles, no, you know, we're, we're doing the right thing. It was always, yeah, well, let's just give you more money. And, and that way we get what we want. I'll give you this pile of cash and you tell me where the Taliban are hiding. Right. And it may or may not be that the Taliban are actually hiding there, but they already got their cash. And right. the next time you come, oh yeah, I've got Intel. Yep. Give me more money. Yep. It doesn't matter if the Intel pays off or not. Yep. So, so, you know, the fact that, or the idea um, that these commanders or even the troops are getting paid off. Yeah, of course they are. Yeah. Cause that's, that's, we've, we set that up in their culture. You know, when we went to, um, and I don't remember, I don't remember if it was Iraq or Afghanistan. I think it was Afghanistan. There was some trainer in one of our, in one of our classes, you know, and, 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 and primo, um, that, that said, you know, don't give, candy and pens and whatever to the kids um which they always as soon as you park somewhere you get out in a village you're surrounded and they're trying to get all your stuff and um you know you give them candy and it makes their day and you feel good about it right but it was reinforcing the idea that americans are here to give you something um with nothing in return yeah ultimately um so yeah i think we set up that i think we set up that whole system yeah and um, and, and we've been doing that for decades. Um, you, know, you go back to Russia and Afghanistan, right? I mean, we were we were funding the Mujahideen, yeah, to try to get rid of them. Yeah, and so so you have Afghanistan, this little uh, a mountainous dirt patch, let's say, yeah. where you have empires, so to speak, or, or world powers fighting over this patch of land, and they. I think over time you get really good in your culture at being able to play one side versus the other. And what they, what, what Afghanis understand, I think is fear. And so whoever is going to instill the most fear is the one in charge. Well, we stopped doing that a long time ago. So, and if we're pulling out, well, who's, who who is there to fear? Well, it's going to be the Taliban because you know, they're going door to door looking for people who helped the u.s and if we don't get sorry i know i'm on a tangent a little bit but if we don't get those people out our interpreters the people who who helped us and we just let them go let the taliban you know put them on video behead them kill their families sell their daughters into sex slavery which is exactly what's going to happen what happens the next time that's a great point because one of the first one of the first comments that I heard about this that I hadn't thought about is 
in the world today, how would you like to be? How would you like to be Taiwan? How -hmm. would you like to be Ukraine? Mm -hmm. Because if you're sitting there and you're watching that, and the U.S. is telling you, "Don't worry, we got your back. We're going to be there for you." Mm -hmm. How much credibility do you have? And if that, if what you're talking about, when that happens, because mm-hmm. it is going to we, happen, we've let it go now that best case scenario, they'll be lucky if they can get, I don't know what, I don't know how many of those people they can get out, but you know, mm-hmm. you're not going to get anywhere near all of them. Mm-hmm. And they're going to make that, it'll be a spectacle. Well, and they're, they're trying to, I've seen on the media, they're, they're sitting down and, you know, having these press conferences or they're talking to the media and they're acting like, oh, we're, we're good. We don't want to have any, we don't want any, we don't want to do anything. You know, we're not hostile right mm-hmm. now, but I bet the beheadings have already started. They're just not, fil- they're just not videoing them. Honestly, I mean, I think they're trolling us. Yeah. Oh, totally. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's, I saw a thing that said Twitter, they have their own verified uh, Twitter account. The Taliban, a terrorist group, has a Twitter account. Mm. Cannot believe it. It's like they just, the media, I, the media just lets, I don't know. I don't get it. I don't get the media. Yeah. Well, the fact that, are we really at a place, man, maybe I shouldn't go there, but are we really at a place where our biggest concern right now from the UN is whether or not there's going to be educational rights for women under the freaking Taliban? Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> there won't be. Right. And it's, and it's not just, it's worse than that. Like oh, that's, way worse. That's the least of their problems right now or what's coming. Yeah. Because there's one thing about, you know, we talked about kind of the long game and whatnot. That's a lot of time to get all ramped up and say, oh, yeah, revenge is coming. Well, and, and that's ne- what they, that's those, those cultures, mm-hmm. you can be, I, I will be more than happy to, kill your son for what your great grandfather did mm. to my family. Well, they already hated us, now they hate us even more. Well, but no. I'm talking about the 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 citizenry of Afghanistan. Anybody that is perceived to have not been a supporter mm-hmm. is their enemy. Right. And yep. as as Micah said, the revenge, the re- revenge is coming. It doesn't make any sense to just start, come out guns blazing because there's no need to. We're, we've already ceded everything to them. Mm-hmm. And I think, and the worst, I'm pretty sure that they're smart enough to know the worst thing that they could do right now is something graphic mm-hmm. that would get world sentiment turned that we say, better oh, wait in. a minute, we better yeah. run some drone strikes and get rid of some of these people or whatever. Mm-hmm. They're going to wait, uh, my opinion is, they're going to wait until it's done, mm-hmm. we're gone, we've and then it'll happen Mm -hmm. we're going to take care of all of those who have wronged us in some way at some time yeah and i think i think you know that's like you see the you see the stories where they have checkpoints around the kabul airport or that they're going door to door making lists yeah they're not they're not they're not getting into the ugly stuff yet no but they're ready for it yeah it's coming so so and here's here's i guess kind of my one of my i say i'll say fears is that when those videos start leaking of your mass graves of your beheadings of your of your forced genital mutilation um on on young girls especially when that stuff starts coming out the war machine has to eat right not not to be all alex jones but um but the war you know 
when Eisenhower talked about the military industrial complex, as I was, when I was growing up, I was always like, oh, that's a slander against troops. And it's not. No. It's the fact you have your Lockheed Martins and your Halliburtons and your, you know, the, the Secretary of Defense right now, Austin, was uh, yep. on the board of, was it Halliburton or Lockheed? One of those two. I don't know. I don't know, but I know that he's very connected with, uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. with the defense. Um, you know, so so that so my fear is that we're going to end up going right back in there yep. on a quote unquote humanitarian mission, yep. and then twenty years from now we're going to be having this discussion about oh man we drew down Taliban took over again. Yeah, I think I I agree with you a hundred percent. I think the only thing that's going to temper that is, um. This was a $2 trillion endeavor, mm. cost over 2,000 American lives, and I don't know how many hundred thousand people, mm. and the interest on the debt was, it's 530-some million dollars, or billion dollars, billion dollars, 530-some billion, billion dollars. dollars, yeah. And when interest rates, and, and they printed all that money, they printed all that money out of thin air. And when interest rates were going down, the war actually got cheaper because the interest was lower. Well, today we're getting out. We have this debt and we're adding to it with all the other stuff we're doing. I think it's going to be pretty hard to justify. And I think that's sad in its own right in the fact that it took so little. I mean, we can argue, we can argue the merits of going over there, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but... I think the reason that we wouldn't go back is economics. And I think the reason we went to start could have just as been, could have just as well been economics also. Um, and cause you're right. That military industrial complex, uh, war is a good business for them. Well, the one thing they, they might want to go over there for a human, humanitarian, uh, mission, humanitarian. humanitarian mission or whatever. But I mean, let's, we can't forget the reason we went over there is because they came on our soil and did it. So we might, we might just wait for that to happen again. And they might be like, well, yeah. And that could, um, be, and I would, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you're good. Go, you, yeah. And I would say it's, it's, you know, debatable to me in my mind anyway, on because we were there, they weren't here. That's debatable. I mean, right. We didn't go into Saudi Arabia. We didn't go into Pakistan. Right. We didn't go into, and that's, that's where a lot of this comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think, I think, Here's, I think you're right. If we stay out, would be on economic reasons. If we go back in, it'll be under a new administration, probably GOP. Yep. And it'll be the Democrats screwed this up so bad. We're going to look what's happening. We're going to fix it. Yep. And the Democrats and the Republicans, that whole establishment, will be like, yeah, we're on board, right? Yep. Because I can't wait to get my board seat. Yep. Um, Short term thinking. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So when they were, I don't know this for sure, but when they, when it, the day was happening, when everyone's evacuating, we were, we saw, everyone saw the videos of the, you know, planes. Afghan citizens, you know, people were falling from the planes because they were mm-hmm. trying to get on and whatever. And that was trying to hang just on. brutal. Yeah. I was trying to hang on. Mm-hmm. It was brutal. So the people that were on those planes, were those just Americans or were those people that we just said, you can come have freedom? You know, I actually don't know. I, I don't it, know. I saw a I saw a photo of one plane that was just full of Afghan yeah, male citizens yep. just sitting on the plane. What? Sorry, it, uh, I've got I've got a, I've got something to say. And about one that. thing that it's just that's just concerning for me is like, okay, so we just did your whole country totally wrong. Americans just totally 
abandon you and you're lucky enough to get on this plane to come to America and you're just an Afghan citizen. You had to abandon your whole family to come to America. And how does that, how do you feel about America once you get here? Yeah, you're coming here for freedom, but you had to abandon your, your whole family and um, they pretty much abandoned you. I mean, that's kind of, they're probably the taste that they have in their mouth. And then here's the, here's the honest truth. How many of those people do we actually know are truly that's, Afghanistan, Afghanistan citizens on that are on these planes? Because Boston bombing, they weren't screaming at the rooftops, Boston marathon bombing. They weren't screaming at the rooftops that we're terrorists and we're going to, you know, I think Monica so I think, could speak yeah, to that. Yeah. I think you got the same thought process. Well, yeah, I think obviously we're not very good at vetting people just in general. Um, it's it's not politically expedient enough. Um, you know, and I think one thing that, that interests me with those photos is where's the women and kids? Yep. Right. Right. So Exactly. So, and I, and I kind of understand your point as far as, you know, abandoning their family. Yeah, that's exactly what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't want to take away from the 66,000, I think it is, Afghanistan army or police who, who did give their lives. Right. But at some point it's either it's take care of your own shit. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. Like this isn't our deal. Yeah. This is a, if at best, this is an Afghan civil war. We made a huge mistake staying for as long as we did. Um, and leaving as bad as we did and leaving as bad as we did. And I think the withdrawal we had to, at some point, we had to be done. Yeah, I think right? I agree. I think, no, I every, think everybody I think everyone is agreeing yeah. that we should have gotten out of there. It's just how could we have done it better? <laughs> we couldn't have done it worse. Yeah, it was, no, <laughs> this is the worst. I think that, you've got yeah. the base case model of how yeah. not to do it. Yeah. Uh, and I don't mean to cut you off, but I, one thing that I will say, so my father-in-law, Vietnam veteran, and he... He's not much interested in watching news. I don't think he watches CNN or Fox or anything because he's mainstream just, media. They he know. likes to he likes to fish and he just he doesn't he doesn't like that. And um, my wife called him and told him what was going on, and he turned on the TV and he called her and he said to her, he goes, he goes, well, it doesn't look like America's learned much. He goes, I turned it on and I saw that Chinook and he goes, just reminded me of Saigon all over again. And I thought, that's that's. I mean, true. The, if you see the pictures, I they're I they look identical. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah, but I I don't I don't think we learn much. Nope. Because, like you said, I don't think there's a poorer a poorer example of what how we did it. Yeah, and I don't think I don't think it's it's just we don't want to learn. It's that short term thinking. Get the seats, get your power. You know, I haven't talked to my dad um, really about this whole thing at all. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure exactly how to bring it up, and I think they're they're certainly you know between Saigon and and or Vietnam and here, uh, you know, there's 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 a lot of differences. There is a lot of differences um, because I think from a soldier's point of view, nobody's blaming us. Yeah, right. right. Um, which is a lot different than than what it was, you know, in, in early '70s, um, and we all volunteered. Yeah, um, and I, you know, don't give me the victim. Oh, poor me. I went to wherever, Iraq or Afghanistan. It, you signed up. What did you think was going to happen? But that's a whole other story. Um, so, you know, whereas Vietnam, they were drafted. A lot right. of them, they didn't have a choice to go or not. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's not only did the government turn on you, because and I read this and I need to confirm it, but we won every major engagement in Vietnam. 
Um, I think the kill rate was like three to one, right? So, and again, I need to confirm that. Somebody can correct me if I'm if yeah. I'm wrong in the comments. comments. But, um, but our government gave up, and the American people gave up, and and you know when you don't have your that type of support, um, and then you see, okay, you sent me there. My buddies died. I'm missing a leg. My life is forever changed. And when I come home, you spit on me. And you don't support me. The government me. doesn't support me. And then you see that. Yes. Where we're, we're retreating. Yep. Um, I can't imagine. You know, to me, this is a different. It's the same but different. Yeah. Where the government's doing the same thing mm-hmm. because it's government. Yep. But the people are not. Um and I think soldiers, for the most part, feel that feel that support. Yeah, um, I think almost to an unhealthy level. But right. again, that's another discussion. Well, but I think what you're saying for a for a veteran that brings up when you see that mm-hmm. that really that brings up an old wound. Mm-hmm. To me, it would anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think you know, and again, I think you know, we talked about kind of those three parts. You know, that third part being like, how do you parse those feelings of of you know, in Afghanistan, uh, Juice was killed, Sergeant Justice. Um, and it's like, what does that mean? Right. Um, and I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, you know, again, I think, yeah, I guess for me, I have to fall back onto we were there because we, we volunteered to go. And when you're there, you're fighting for the guy next to you. Uh-huh. And that's exactly how he died. Um, and there's there's honor in that, and whether or not governments figure out, you know, what did we win the war? Did we lose the war? Did we just stop fighting? What that doesn't change any of that. It doesn't change any of that. Yeah, um, I think that's something that that we have to as a as a community, as a veteran community, have to hold on to. Is it's the guy beside you, um, you know, the the guy in the suit in Washington means nothing. Um, we could have, well, we did. We won within yeah. six months or whatever. Um, everything else after that was we're going to do. We're going to do our duty. We're going to serve our country the best we know how. Right. Um, we call it good. I think there's a lot of us are, that hey, yeah, drop me in Kabul. We'll get them out. Yeah. But again, the government's not willing to do that. Right. You know, if you start you start sending missions to rescue Americans, that makes it look even worse. Yeah, you look more desperate. Mm-hmm. And that's why they're reluctant to do it. Yep. We've moved to a time of optics. Everything is about optics mm-hmm. and how it looks. It doesn't matter what the me, 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 me. That's yeah. what it's about. It's all it's about. Yeah. Well <sighs> so this I think a, this has been a light one. <laughs> yeah, light, light yeah, right. Yeah. Well, we had. So I think we'll. I think we'll have to get. We'll have to get Micah back on here because. Um, so we we have a lot of good conversations about the financial world, and that's something that I think we're both obviously interested in. But um, I think we've gone long enough for today. I had one thing. I had just one thing. Maybe yeah. just ask Micah one more thing. Where do you think we go from here? Like what? Yeah. Oh yeah, that's a good question. What? you know, predictions, you know, what questions do we need to have answered? Like, where do we go from here as a country or as what Americans should think? Or I don't know, you know, just. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, if I was going to make predictions, it's that we're going to end up back there. Um, You know, and 
it's either back there or, or it, it'll be somewhere. Um, you know, you can't go 10 years without deploying somewhere. Um, and I think it'll be, I think it'll be there, uh, just because it's, it's when those, we talked about it, when those videos start coming out and those pictures, um, you know, the, the world, the world will react. Yep. Um, or the attack on American soil. I mean, or, or something like that, which, you know, it's, it's, which is certainly, certainly possible. Um, that, that, with those photos, Certain we kind of skipped well, past that a little you, bit. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, the, I would like to get your thoughts on that because I, I kind of jumped with, in, and then you, and then Dad jumped in on you, and you couldn't really finish your thought about how all, all the all the Afghan man men yeah. on the planes, and there's no women and children, and you don't know if someone's a Taliban or if they're just a citizen, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it just does look it does look a little fishy. I mean, if you yeah. have seen the photos, it does look a fit a little fishy. If you're yeah. a civilian, you want your kids and your your wife on that plane mm-hmm. too. It's like one or one of two things are happening. Either we are telling them, the State Department, you can come, but you can't bring your family, which is unbelievable. Messed up. It wouldn't be surprising. Right. Um, or they're just choosing to abandon their family and try to get to some essence of freedom because they either helped us in some way or they're, I'm sure there's a few of them that are trying to get to America to, to wreak havoc. Right. Yep. Um, you know, I guess them choosing young men, especially choosing to abandon the families. I'm not even sure that would be surprising because women are property yep. there. Right. Yep. Children, children are property. Um, you know, it's, it's not a whole lot different just in my opinion, um, or from, from my experience, how they view, how they view them is they're not a whole lot different than their goats. Um, they treat them about the same. So, so is it, is it real surprising that they're like, ah, screw you, I'm out of here? Um, no, but are we, are we idiots? Let's, let's, let's fill a C-17 with a bunch of military age males. Oh, that's just absurd. You're right. It's absurd. It does look like it just boggles my mind. Yeah. Right. Um, but I think that again, it kind of goes into the mindset of, of kind of where, where they are. It's, it's, it's almost medieval. Right, yeah. just the mindset is medieval, and we spent twenty years trying to bring them into the, you know, the the uh, a current century, maybe not even this one, at least a little bit more current. It's not going to happen. So, um, so I think prediction wise, is, is I think we'll end up back there in one way or another, um, probably under a new administration who's trying to fix what the Democrats did. Um, you know, the GOP likes their wars just as much as Hillary. So. Yeah. Um, I don't know societally what will unite us at this point. Well, this pains me to say, but if another terrorist attack happens, that's as big what as that. I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. Either. I, don't, you don't I, think I would it, hope. Yeah. But, but I don't, I don't really think so because it's, because here's what's going to happen. Let's say another Boston marathon bombing happens, right? Well, it's Biden's fault because we brought all these military age males from, Afghanistan, mm-hmm. right? Uh, no, it's Trump's fault because he did something. Well, no, really, it's George Bush's fault. Well, no, really, if you think about it, Obama did, and it still has that. Po- everything is so politicized, which, which is by design, in my in my opinion, that the more you can divide people into groups and you can tribalize people, the easier it is to control yep. them. Hundred percent. I mean, our entire political system has has dissolved into division Mm. we want to put 
everybody in a box. We are not Americans first anymore. You are a you're a Republican or a Democrat. You're a liberal or you're conservative. You're a vaxxer or an anti-vaxxer. You are a... Proud of African-American, an Asian, a Hispanic, yeah. a, a Caucasian. Yeah. You're either gay, you're bi, you're straight, and we're just going to try to get you at every because point you possibly can. The more the more the politicians can divide, and I will say... And the more they can get all of us to focus on those things mm-hmm. instead of the things that are actually happening right now, Yep. the more... You guys don't know what the hell's look happening. Over, look yep. at this. Don't look over here. Right, right. Don't look at what I'm doing over here. Yep. Yeah. yeah whole, it's a tough. I, that whole intersectionality. You know, it's it's how how high can I get on the victimhood status? Because that is the new high. I wouldn't say it's not the elite class. It's a new higher class. Yeah. The more of a victim I can be, which which I think veterans fall into that. Everybody falls into kind of being a little bit of a victim. Mm-hmm. Where you know, if if I can get pity. Mm-hmm. Right now, I I can get a little bit of of. I can get a leg like up. I, yeah, yeah, and so so you feel bad for me, so you give me X, mm-hmm. or society gives me X. Yeah. Um. And again, it goes back to what we're talking about before. It's all that inward focus. Mm-hmm. Um. And we're not we're not connected as a as a as citizens to something bigger than ourselves anymore. Yep. It's not we're the United States of America. It's no, this is my experience. In America. Yep. In America. Yep. Um, and so so I don't I don't know. I hope something could unite us. I just don't know what it is. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure that that even another nine eleven style, you know, we're not gonna get nine twelve again. Nope. Um, where everybody's essentially on the same page. Yeah, also we talked about, you know, it'll be politicians versus politicians, but the fatalities if the a terrorist attack would happen they would describe how those people died, what uh, class they fit in. If they were a black man, if they were a Hispanic, maybe this is a race attack by one of our own in America. You know, they'd flip it in so many different ways to just cause more division. Yeah. I mean, I would hope not. You know, it's it's interesting because uh, Yanmi Park, I don't know if you know who yes. that is. She, yeah, it, on Joe Rogan's yeah. podcast. Yeah. Oh, Korea. yes. And oh, I, my gosh. I had listened to her on uh, on Jordan Peterson's podcast. Um and and it's the same. You look at every, let's say, totalitarian uh, regime, whether communist or socialist or whatever. It's it's always you have to separate into classes first. Yep. Um, and the more we're separated, again, the easier the easier we are to control. Um, and it's the same thing that's happening here. There's a famous YouTube clip of I don't know, it's Yuri something. Um, he was a former KGB. I don't know if you've seen this. It was like from the seventies uh, or maybe eighties. And uh, he's talking about how, how, how communism will take over the United States without ever firing a shot. Yes. I've, you've I have seen, seen that. that. And yes. it's the same, it's the same playbook that yep. he brings out. Same playbook that they have in North Korea. Because we're geogra- geographically, it's really hard to invade America. Mm-hmm. So the only way to flip America and it's from the inside, from the inside. Yep. Yep. So, you know, uh, I don't know. I don't know where we go from here. It, I think it's a good prediction, though. I think you're you hit. I think ultimately, a, if a Republican gets elected in office, hell, even if a Democrat gets elected in office, they're going to try to fix it. Yeah. Well, and I would say even you know at this point, even when probably not if Kamala takes over. Yeah. Um, because you know, and where has she been lately? I sure haven't seen her much. Not, she does not want her face on this. <laughs> Nope. She sure is awful hard to find uh, lately. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, so is so is Biden. He now, has a, has he spoke to well, a world leader back. since? He's got sleepy time. He yeah. came back from vacation, or at least he went down and watched cartoons in the bunker for a while. <laughs> the putting cup. They got a picture of him. There. So yeah, and I think I think I'm, it could be it could be as easy that no matter who it is. I mean, we're at the point, and I think that's why like him, love him, hate him, whatever. Um, and he brought a lot of it on himself, but I think that's why they hated Trump so much. Cause he's an outsider. Yeah. Because it wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't part of the group. Um, he wasn't trying to get a check. He wasn't trying to, right. he was yeah. genuinely trying to do what he thought was right for America. Yeah. yeah think, not necessarily for himself. Right. Obviously not for himself. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think he lost plenty, but yeah. damn, um, those mean tweets though. We can't have them mean yeah, tweets. We can't have that. So, you know, and because he's not part of that system of, of, you know, again, we have to, we, we have to be somewhere fighting someone for some reason. Yep. Um, you know, they, they can't have that. Kamala would be part of that system. Just like yep. Biden is just like Hillary was just like George W. Bush was just like, you know, I mean, it's John McCain. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not a, it's not even a Republican Democrat thing. It's, it's what, it's a class thing. Yeah. Um, I think when we start, if we start looking at things as a class system, that that's where we're getting and that's what we're getting into, um, things become a little bit clearer. Yeah. You, know, you have the elite class, you have the, you know, the proletariat, right? Yep. Um, yeah, I don't Boy, know. Boy, we got to stop getting people on here with such radical views. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So much no. different than our own. Oh, I thought it was very, I thought it was really good. I think we should end it on a lighter note, though, and just say, <laughs> I think people are waking up. I think people understand that mainstream media is trying to put us in classes. I think people are getting that you can't really trust the media and politicians are here for that short-term thinking. They're doing it for legacy purposes. They're doing it for a board. Their legacy, not our legacy. No, their legacy, right. right. They're doing it for their legacy purposes. And I I have hope that people will figure it out. I really do. I think people will... Hopefully, we. I, I think you need to realize that the government, if you think the government has your best interest in their heart, you're, you're lying to yourself. Sadly, you mistaken. really are lying to yourself because they don't. They yeah. don't. They don't have it. And they're trying to divide us because that's just easier for them to control us. And I think that would be maybe the bright spot or, or what I would hope is a like your generation down, I think is is a lot smarter than what we were. Um they accept thing. They don't accept things mm-hmm. at face value as easily as we. Right. As right. We did. Well, we kind of have to because hell, we for you guys, when you saw something on the news, it was the news. Yeah, and that's what it was, and there was no that was that was the truth. Mm-hmm. Now it's kind of well, like we thought it was even right. video, even video evidence mm-hmm. is a little like is it is that video evidence? Is that actually the truth of what's right. actually going on? Right. So I mean, we kind of have to be that way. Yeah, and I. Yeah, I don't think with with what we've seen, you know, especially over the last year and a half or so, you know, with with the the pandemic response, you know, I think that kids, you know, you go to any middle school or elementary school, and there's a bunch of kids that will just tell you this is freaking stupid. Yeah, right. I'm not going to get into the efficacy of masks or whatnot, but um, they, I think, I think there's something in this next generation. That is like you're not you're not going to control me. It's almost like it's almost like how would I put that? Cons- Conservatism is too broad of a term, but but 
more of what would right now be considered a right wing think, even though it would be be traditional liberalism think. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, that sort of I don't want the government controlling me. I don't want uh, that sort of mindset. I think it is it's prevalent. It's kind of what they have, and so and that's the rebellion. The rebellion is no, you're not going to tell me that. A is B or that two plus two equals five. That's stupid. I'm going to figure it out for right. myself and then realize what the truth and, is. Yeah. And so it's like, the, it's like, it's like that type of thinking is the new leather jacket, yeah. right? When leather jacket, you were a rebel if you wore a leather jacket. Right. Right. Well, being a rebel now is thinking for yourself. Yep. Yep. And, I and think that's, that's, that's pretty, that's great. That's yeah, a great thing. I'll take thing. that. <laughs> yeah. I'll take that all day long too. Yeah. And I think that's, I think people need to really realize that like, we are not as as divided as they want to tell us we're divided. Mm. We are Americans and they they're going after headlines to try to divide us as much as we can. Just respect your fellow man. And I think a most 98% of the people out there, most majority of the people respect their fellow man no matter mm. what your skin color is, mm-hmm. no matter who you want to have sex with, you know, you are we respect our fellow man, but right. they want to go for the people and the stories and the headlines that are going to... The division. The division, cause the division yeah. and show that to us so we feel more divided than we actually are. That's a good That's a good place to stop. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'll say this. Um, we hope you got some value from this. This was a pretty impromptu uh, pod or episode because we saw what was happening. We wanted to get somebody on here that had a little different perspective. And... Um, We say this all the time, but, you know, if you don't agree with us, you don't have to agree with us, and you don't have to agree with me or any of us, but do your own research. Mm -hmm. Go find your own answers. Do not let somebody, whether it be me or whether it be a politician, Mm -hmm. don't let that person tell you what you ought to think because you need to be responsible for you, and um, so... Tell us what you think. Leave us a comment. Leave us a question for next week, because we'll, or not next week, two weeks, we'll do a Q&A. Um, thank you, Micah, for coming on. Yeah, thank thanks. you, guys. It was an amazing. I, I thought it was a great show. I think it's well. It was it was needed right now at this time. No, I agree. In America. Yeah, it was a good time. I yeah. appreciate it. I appreciate yeah. the opportunity. Have a great weekend.